what you need to deny yourself in. Because I will show you things that you don't even know that you need to deny yourself in. Well, he's showing me things that I didn't even know that I was at fault in. Thinking that I'm, I'm walking in the way that I'm supposed to be walking in. He's bringing this stuff up like, man, uh, here are some things that you didn't even know. And that's why it's convicting for me. So what I'm going to ask for, from you guys this morning is that same mentality. If there's anything that we can do as, as believers uh, that would make us real, you guys hear me say that all the time, is to allow yourself to be convicted, is to allow yourself to be confronted. Because most of the time when you get confronted and you're convicted, it's not fun <laughs> at all. And you can fall into this cyclical, oh, poor pitiful me, I'm this bad person and whatever. You name it. Let yourself be convicted, not by me, not by the fact that, hey, this is hitting me hard, none of that stuff, but by the fact that this is the word of God this morning. We're going to read it, and I hope it hits you right in the sternum, right in the heart. Amen? Amen. Okay, so this is Paul turning his attention to the Jews. And it says this, verse 17, I'm sorry that the, the screens are down, but you should have a Bible in front of you right now. If you don't, there might be one in the, in the pew in front of you. It says this, but if you bear the name Jew and rely upon the law and boast in God and know his will and approve the things that are essential, being instructed out of the law and are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, a corrector of the foolish, a teacher of the immature, having in the law the, the embodiment of knowledge and of the truth. You, therefore, who teach another, do you not teach yourself? You who preach... That one should not steal, do you steal? You who say that you should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who arbor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law through your breaking the law, do you dishonor God? And in this verse 24, and I'm going to stop right here. For the name of God is being blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Now, that verse 24, usually what we do when we preach, we make like an objective statement and saying, hey, look, here's, here's what is going to drive this whole message. That verse 24 is that objective statement saying this, again, the name of God is being blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, basically saying as a result of your behavior, as a result of your lacking in stepping into the gospel and truly what the gospel is. Are you guys with me this morning? Now he's, he begins by confronting four things in the Jewish nation. Their pride, their privilege, their proctor, if I say that right, which basically means teacher, and also their practice. He gets after it. You have to understand that the Jewish nation at this point, Jewish, 
excuse me, Jews, they are uh, a body of people who have been entrusted with the law. They've been entrusted with the gospel. Jesus came through the Jewish nation. So that in and of itself is something that they have taken and said, look, we are somehow special because of that. And they walk like it. They talk like it. They preach like it. They act like it. Because they have this, this gift. Now, as we kind of break down these scriptures, when it says, if you bear the name Jew... And understanding that the Jews are responsible for bringing the gospel to the, the rest of the world. What are we responsible for? Making disciples of all nations? Yeah. Being a witness in our social environment? Yeah. I don't like using this term, but being a billboard for Christ. But, hey, billboards don't walk, they don't move. They just kind of sit there. That's why I don't like that, but do you get what I'm saying? If you bear the name Christian, if you bear the name that you're a believer, if you bear the name that you're a follower of Christ, and you rely upon this word, and you boast in God, and because of that, and you read his word, you know his will. And approve of the things that are essential, even to the point that you're confident enough that you can lead people, that you're a light in the darkness, that you're a corrector of the wrong. Uh, let me get back to this scripture, not get too far away from my Bible, sorry. <laughs> um, a guide to the blind, a light to those in the darkness, a corrector of the foolish, excuse me, a teacher of the immature, having in the law the embodiment and the knowledge of the truth. You yourself, do you follow the same thing that's coming out of your mouth? Now for me, I mean, it's kind of like what I, what I said last week that I, I have these two furry dogs that do everything they can when they get in trouble to make sure that you don't see what they just did. They just want to be happy, peel their ears back, wag their tail and say, no, love me. Don't, don't look at what I just did to that sheet of paper. Just love me. See, there's so many good things that we do, yes. But the Lord in and of him, well, the Lord will confront the mess. Now, there's a lot of good things that I do in my life, there are. But when he confronts the mess, when he confronts the stuff that is being spoken of right here, um, that is something that I'm asking for you guys this morning to, to let this do to you as well. If you claim to be a follower of Christ and yet you don't follow the same things that are coming out of your mouth, there's an issue. Because here's the result of that. That when I walk out into the street or I'm in the, uh, on Facebook or sitting down in front of my TV and, 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 and just getting a dose of what's being said out there about Christians, you can talk about Mormons, you can talk about um, the Buddhist religion, anything other than Christianity. But as soon as you say the name Jesus, people are up in arms about that. They're up in arms about it. 
Now, because we know who God is, there's always that 5% that's messing it up for everybody, right? <laughs> um, I always say that to people, and please don't take this out of context, that, you know, there's, there's always some of those, those black people, sorry guys, that are just crazy. And then everybody thinks that all black people are whatever that one person is. And it could be the same thing for white people. I'm, I, I don't want to dig myself too much of a hole with that analogy, but I'm just saying, you know, there's that group of people who mess it up for everybody. Am I a part of that group? Where, for the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Because you have these areas of your life where you're communicating that God isn't real. You're communicating that the Lord is, how do I say it? Partial. Just like he said in the, in the verses before that. You guys with me this morning? Oh, this is heavy stuff. Now when I said earlier that he confronts the pride of the Jews, he comp uh, confronts the privilege, he confronts their proctor, and also their practice. So that we get the context of what's being said to the Jewish nation, as well as how it can be applied to our life. As I've kind of already said, these people, when it says, but if you bear the name Jew and rely, right there, they took pride in this, rely upon the law and boast in God, simply because the law was among them. The law was in their books, and the law was being read in their synagogues. That's something that was like, sweet, awesome, that's, that's not happening anywhere else. So let me take pride, not in a good way, in that. And boast in God. There's scriptures that say if you're going to boast in anything, boast in God. But this boasting that is being spoken of here is not a humble thing. It's a puff your chest out type deal. I can walk around and say that I'm a Christian and a follower of Christ all day long. But what did we just get done reading from middle of chapter 1 to middle of chapter 2? Everybody's on the same playing field. And you think, just as Beck preached... That just because the Lord isn't as quick to discipline you in the moment, that somehow he is saying, I'm not going to be God right now. No, he's patient. He's patient enough to let us come to a place where we repent. God's goodness and kindness leads us to repentance. That's up there in um, verse 4. But this boasting that he's getting at in these people is also a spiritual superiority complex where they begin to look down on anybody who is not a Jew. And Paul's got to confront this stuff. Now, obviously, it's the Lord confronting the Jewish nation through Paul. But it's a boasting, ladies and gentlemen, in speech and not in lifestyle. Do you hear me when I say that? I don't need to boast about Christ through my mouth. I can. I don't need to. But do I boast about who he is through what I do? Yes. There's areas in my life where I do. There's area in my, areas in my life where I don't. 
And that is convicting. It should convict. What I need to do is just get a lifetime supply of Kleenex. Because I feel like every time you guys are here and I'm preaching, <laughs> it's just like blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Thank you for that, though. I have my real mother here, but I have a bunch of other like secondary mothers that says the same thing. <laughs> Got like five of them. Are you guys with me? Not boasting in speech, but boasting in lifestyle. Now he confronts their privilege in the next uh, verse. But if you bear the name Jew and rely upon the law and boast in God, verse 18, and know his will and approve of the things that are essential being instructed out of the law, they were a knowing people. It's not like they didn't know. They had this in them. It's not like I don't know. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not like you don't know. It's not like you've come into this for the first time. Now, as I look around the room, like I know all of you, and I don't see any new believers in here. So that's why I can say that today. It's not like we don't know. What Paul is saying is let's not let there be any gray area. Let's make it black and white. It's not like you don't know. So choose to boast, not in your speech, but in your lifestyle. Amen? And he continues very abruptly. <laughs> and he speaks to their proctor. Verse 19, and are confident that you yourself are what? A guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, a corrector of the foolish, a teacher of the immature, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth. Now that, those verses right there, verses 19 and 20, do confront the proctor and also the practice. How is it that I come to a place where my confidence is in those things? What type of confidence is that? That's a question that I have. We prayed last Sunday night for confidence in people. If you look in uh, Proverbs, I think it's in Proverbs 18, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of confidence. It also says, you know, fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. All right, but there's a bunch of other things that say the fear of the Lord is, and there's something after that. One of those things is confidence. If I'm confident in that, what... Where does that lie? Where's the foundation of my confidence if I believe that I can guide, I can be a light, I can teach, I can correct? I'm telling you right now, it better be in the fear of the Lord. Because what Paul is communicating here and is confronting these people with is that it's not. They are so of the letter of the law that if I just do all of what the law says, speak it out, but nothing happens in here. See, you can tell me and I can tell you all day long that I'm this great person. I can put on. I really can. But guess who sees the secret man? Guess who's in the secret place? It's Jesus. Now, this message, I don't want it to... 
I don't want to beat you over the head with it. I really don't. As much as, you know, as we've been saying, these are kind of the tough ones to preach, all right? But I hope that is convicting on the premise that non-believers, verse 24, non-believers are saying, your God is not anything to me because of what I see you doing. The reality of that is this. That person walks out in the street and gets hit by a truck. They die. They go to eternity in hell. That's real. Because I'm not living in a way that's exemplary of Christ. Because of me, they're saying God isn't who he is. I mean, that's, that's sobering. And that is what Paul is speaking to this Jewish nation that if we go all the way back to verse, or excuse me, chapter 1 and Paul communicates to them that um, in verse 8, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. Now, I'm going to use this this analogy, analogies don't save anybody. Analogies are, to be honest with you, not really that great, but it helps us kind of understand what's going on. Now, this is, this is purely speculation for me. And it's just something that I'm asking the Lord, is this something that I should continue to consider? I'm just going to be vulnerable with you guys in this, the, with that statement. That if Paul is saying what he's saying to the Jewish nation in chapters halfway through one, through what we just got done reading, that means there's something wrong. There's something that is happening that isn't right. But yet we have this scripture that says their faith is being proclaimed throughout the rest of the world. Now I had the wonderful privilege in high school to play in what's called the AAU, basketball, um, it's like a club team. And you just go around to cities all over the nation and you showcase your talent so that you can possibly get a scholarship. And there's hundreds of thousands of kids. There's thousands of them. So it's kind of like, you know, you're that little goldfish as you walk into PetSmart and there's just this huge tank full of goldfish. That's kind of what you feel like. <laughs> well, everybody know who LeBron James is? Heard that name? Good. I actually had a chance to watch him play in high school in one of these. It was amazing. This, this guy is six months younger than I am. All right? I graduated high school. Six months later, he signed a $90 million shoe contract. That's unfair. <laughs> yes. But I got a chance to watch him play, and it was, it was phenomenal. But see, everybody in the AAU basketball realm, if you know basketball, you knew who he was. But let me say this. If you didn't know basketball... You didn't know who he was. The reason I say that is, same thing with football, same thing with construction for me. There's certain things about knitting that I have no idea about. Because I don't knit. My mom does. But if you say something about it, because I am connected to that, then yes. So here's what I'm saying with this, this comment in chapter, chapter 1 was the faith being proclaimed by those who were non-believers or was 
the, Jew, the, the faith of the Jews being proclaimed by other Jews walking in the same, I want to say, deficiency. Are you, are you chugging with me this morning? Now here, I have to say this with, with sensitivity. Is that I don't know if that's really the case as much as that's where the Spirit is kind of leading me with that. Because he's saying something in chapter 2. He has to confront something that's wrong in these people. Yet in chapter 1, he said, this is what's being proclaimed. And then we heard from Beth that, hey, look, Paul is coming to make sure that the same gospel that they have is the one that he has. And I think he's figuring out that, hey, look, it's not. You guys with me this morning? All right. So because of all of that, we get to this verse 24, which I've already commented on. And verse 24 is as a result of how these people are living. It's as a result of how they're treating the community. People who don't know Jesus. The people who even do know Jesus. It's as a result of your gospel. It's as a result of my gospel, not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense this morning? Now, oh wow, hey look, we got one. How long has that been up there? Okay, awesome. Good. Good, I'm glad you guys can see something. Paul continues in verses 25 through 29 talking about circumcision. And I'm going to touch on this just a little bit because I really believe that what he wanted me to bring today was 17 through 24. I put 17 through 29 in the bulletin just because uh, if the Lord wanted to expand on more of that, I think that he, he would say yes to it. But what Paul does in those, those final verses in chapter 2 is he takes the very law that the Jews are riding on, saying, I'm going to take pride in this. This is my privilege. Basically not really holding it that well. They take the, the very law that they have thrown themselves into and he turns it back on himself. Uh, and real quick, just let me, let me read it. And we'll probably revisit this next week because I, I, I don't want to miss this. However, I don't want us to miss the seriousness of 17 through 24. It says, For indeed, circumcision is of value if you practice the law. Now, before I, before I go, let me, let me just communicate to you that circumcision was considered, excuse me, was a commanded duty to the Jews. To them, it was a necessary condition of justification. However, the rest of the world didn't practice that. So just know that when we talk about what this is. This is physical as well as spiritual. Alright? For indeed circumcision is of value if you practice the law. But if you are a transgressor of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. So basically what he's saying that it doesn't matter if you don't live a life 
that is congruent to what is coming out of your mouth and what you believe, your justification is unjustified. It's unjustification. Does that make sense? Uh, 26. So if the uncircumcised man keeps the requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? So a Gentile who uh, instinctively does the things of the law, and where does that come from? That comes from, um, where is that in the last part of, let me get this, uh, verse 14, for when Gentiles who do not have the law do instinctively the things of the law. This is in direct correlation with that. Basically saying that if I just do all of what the law says I'm supposed to do, however I'm a Gentile, I'm not a Jew, then won't that make me justified according to the law that you guys are laying out? I don't want this to be too confusing. And he who is physically uncircumcised, verse 27, if he keeps the law, will he not judge you through having the letter of the law and circumcision are a transgressor of the law? Judgment. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor in circumcision, that which is outwardly in the flesh. Verse 29, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that which is of the heart. By the Spirit, not by the letter. And his praise is not from men, but from God. That last, that last verse right there. His praise is not from men, but it's from God. If we are at all in a place where we are trying to make it look good to people, the Lord will blow that up in two seconds. You can come in here and say that, hey, I'm good. And you could be right. You could be wrong. You could be telling me the truth. You could be telling all these people, yes, the truth or not the truth. But the Lord knows exactly where your heart's at. And he's the one that you have to deal with. And he's the one that you have to stand before and give an account for what's going on in you. Does that make sense this morning? Not the praises of man. But do you desire and want the praises of God? If you do, don't boast in speech. Boast in lifestyle. Amen? Now these Jews, you know the title of this, this message was scrutiny's inspection. To scrutinize somebody, the definition of scrut uh, scrutiny is a critical observation or is, it is, excuse me, an examination. If I'm going to be critical in examining somebody else's situation, I better be ready to have my scrutiny examined by the Lord because he's going to examine me by the same way that I'm examining somebody else. That's another point that's being made here in Romans chapter 2. Look, we're all on the same page, but don't for one second think that you will escape the judgment of Jesus. So that brings me to Matthew 7, 1 through 5, and that's a cross-reference. I'm going to close with this. It says, do not judge so that you will not be judged. 
For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. You walk into this church or to in, into any building and you immediately judge somebody. I'm letting you know that the Lord's going to judge you on that same measure. The same one. Now again, I don't want to beat you in the head with that this morning, but that's real, ladies and gentlemen. So then it continues and says this. Where am I here? Three. Why do you, thank you, why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye and behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. <laughs> First take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's. Man. I know that we've maybe heard that before, but it becomes more like a saying than it does become truth. I'm just asking you guys this morning, again, to let this scripture convict you because if we can't be the example of who Christ is and is causing people to blaspheme the name of Jesus, if that's not a serious thing to us this morning, then maybe the switches that we have in us, as my dad has said for 15 years, maybe your switches are burned off. Maybe they're just not there anymore. I want so much to, to be able to come in here and love on you guys and encourage you and build you up. I hope this does in a way that's separating not good from bad or right from wrong, but life from death. You've heard me say that before. Be encouraged because now you have more of the truth. Just live by the gospel and let the rest take care of itself. But don't be a fake individual in anything. The areas of your life that the Lord is going to will on a continual basis convict you in, man, that's a privilege. Because he works on those who he loves. So just... Be a good representation of who Christ is. Boasting, I'll say it again, not in speech, but in lifestyle. And the judgment that we exact on other people will be put on to us. So how about this? Just don't judge. Sounds good, doesn't it? Pretty simple, isn't it? Very simple, very black and white. Let's go ahead and get the worship team back up here and get prepared for our offering this morning. You know, these, these sets of scripture can be very abrupt. These sets of scripture can be very um, confrontational. They can just confront you. what I'm hoping is that what we can do is use this time to in a sense ask for forgiveness.
if you need that. Ask for revelation in this. Ask for, Lord, what do I do next? Show me those areas of my life where this is not clicking on all cylinders. You guys can come forward. Father, we thank you for the, the offering, Lord, and just for uh, who you are. And Father, how you don't play with us on anything. But Lord, you're more than anything a God of love. And when you deal with us, Lord, you deal with us in love. And not out of uh, spite. But Father, because you want us to be blameless. You want us to be justified by nothing else other than you. Thank you for that this morning. Lord, I thank you for the ability to give today and pray that you would release uh, what's yours to you, Father, and just show us how to give joyfully. So we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can go ahead and pass that right there. You know, maybe there's people in here who need to get their, their heart right before the Lord. You don't have to come up here to do that. If you need prayer at the end of service, I am more than willing to sit up here and pray with you that, you know, what I think the Jews need to be praying for after having heard this is just mercy. If that's how we've been living, then Lord, just have mercy. Show me how to be more thankful for who you are and what you've done in my life. So let's stand to our feet. Let's sing this song. If you feel like you need to come up here, great. If not, use this time to let the Lord move in you with this stuff in this moment. you are and Lord yes that you are uh, a God of love we don't ever want to 
miss out on that. But Lord, I just get reminded of Romans 2, chapter 4, Romans 2, verse 4. That we're going to take your loving kindness and goodness for granted. Lord, we don't want to walk around here like we are spiritually privileged at all. Lord, we're sons and daughters of Christ. Yes, we are. And because of what you've done in our life, my goodness, we should be magnifying your name and giving you glory at every turn. But Lord, if there's anything in us that has any kind of superior uh, spiritual superiority complex, Lord, or we, we claim to be a follower of Christ and yet we're not living that way, that, Father, you would confront us in that. And you would bring us to a place where we are humbled, we are broken, and we are contrite. That we don't beat ourselves up for it. But, Father, we simply just take a step towards you this morning. I believe that's all that you're asking us to do is leave the confusing part of it behind and step into the simplicity of what it means to just follow you. You're just asking us to yield to who you are and what you're doing in our lives and to not try to understand anything, to just boast in a lifestyle that looks just like Jesus. This morning, Father, show us how to step into that. Show us how to live in it and not let it be just a Sunday morning mountaintop experience. But let it change us to the core of who we are. Father, we love you. We thank you. We need you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You guys are free to go.
Excuse me, chapter 1, verse 18 through the end of chapter 2, a little bit into chapter 3. Paul really does a good job of not uh, letting there be any gray area. And sometimes that means that as I preach this, I can't skip over this stuff. And it's been a few messages in a row where it's been kind of abrupt, maybe a little abrasive. But what do we know about the truth? The truth will what? Set you what? Free. Free. There's freedom in it. There's a difference between being naive. There's a difference between being ignorant. But there's also the other side of the spectrum. If you know, then why not? Walk in it. For me, for whatever reason, as I was studying this and, and picking it apart, the Lord just, he's very gentle. 
But at the same time, he doesn't play around. It's like sticking a knife right here and then ever so slightly just like keep pushing it in. <laughs> the more you read, you're like, oh my gosh, that's me. That's me. And so I want you to know that what is coming out today is as much of a, like, a, a confession from the man up front that I am not perfect. Nobody in here is perfect. And the best way that I can explain it is basically through Luke 9.23. Where we know that verse to say, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross daily, and follow me. That first one, denying. When I first read that verse, I was like, okay, let me, let me talk to the Lord about what I can deny myself in. Now let me say this. If you were to plan your life from start to finish, beginning to end, how much struggle do you think would be in it if you got to plan it? <laughs> uh, zero. If I could plan my life, there would be no struggle whatsoever. So I took that mentality and applied it to Luke 9.23. Let me deny myself in things that I think I know I need to deny myself in. And that's not the point of that verse. He's saying, ask me to show you the areas that you need to deny yourself in. Because there may be some that you have no clue that you need to deny yourself in. Are you with me this morning? So with this next set of scripture, he's communicating to me, there are some things you don't even know that you're doing that you need to check. There are some things you don't even know that you're letting slide that you need to check. And I'll tell you what, it's humbling. I cannot sit up here and skip this scripture because it's convicting to me and I don't want to preach it. I'm not saying I don't want to preach the word. Don't, don't hear me say that. But to kind of connect with you guys this morning, it's, a, it's hitting home. So what I'm going to ask for you, from you, I guess, this morning, is that it hit home, you let it hit home for you as well. There is scripture that says, the word of God will pierce like a two-edged sword, double-edged sword. Separate bone from marrow and soul from spirit. It's supposed to be that way. I want to be able to encourage you guys in the truth this morning. At the same time, I'm not going to withhold the truth from you in fear of hurting your feelings. <laughs> Beck made an observation. I think you four came in and were the first four to sit on this side of the church. And in my head, I'm like, everybody's over here. I'm sitting there back there thinking we're preaching Romans. I'm being too hard on them. Everyone's leaving. What's going on? All of a sudden, everyone shows up. I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. All right, all right, all right, all right. But yeah, I mean, this stuff is it, it's confrontational for a reason. It's not meant to beat you up. It's meant to lift you up. Because think about a hot air balloon that's tied down. It's supposed to go vertical. Let's snip all of those tie downs today that have to do with sin, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, just be, just get right to the point. Call it what it is. Amen? Amen. I'm going to read this. And actually what I'm going to do, I did this a little bit backwards first service. Usually, what we do is we come in with like a, an a objective statement saying, here's what the entire Sunday is going to be about. Here's what the message is going to be about. 
Here's the phrase. I want you to go home with this. That objective statement is verse 24 in chapter 2. Um, so if we could toggle through to get to that, um, just so it's up there. If not, I'm just going to read it. You should have a Bible in front of you. If not, your little pocket knife, phone, whatever that is. It says this. This is the statement for today. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Verse 24 of chapter 2. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. See what's being communicated in that verse right there is that as a result of some behavior, the Gentiles don't see God as who God really is. As the result of Christian behavior, people don't see Jesus for who he is. That's heavy. Alright? Now let me start in verse 17 and we'll get down to 24 and I'll probably at the end, if I have enough time, read 25 through 29 because it's a big thought. I want to make sure we get at this thing. But it says this. Well, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I got to take two more minutes <laughs> to set this up for you so you understand the context of what's going on here. Again, Paul's introduction was very encouraging and then he moves to speaking to not only, well, a little bit more pointed at the Gentiles in the consequences of unbelief and the fact that there's no partiality with God. He's impartial. Basically saying everybody's on the same level. Now he had Jews in that conversation. He did. He's speaking to the Jews and the Gentiles. But up until here he's saying there's no reason why you should think that you're safe. Everyone's going to be judged by the Lord whether you receive him or you don't. Now that word judgment it can be a harsh one. Let me say this. Nobody in here is God. So nobody in here should be judging. Because the only one who is allowed to do that is sitting on the throne in heaven. Does that make sense? So he's speaking to the Gentiles. Now, verse 17, he turns his attention specifically to the Jew. The Jew who's been entrusted with the law. The Jew who has Jesus' blood flowing through their veins. The Jew who's responsible for teaching the law. He turns his attention to this people. And he says this to them. Verse 17. He says, but if you bear the name Jew and rely upon the law and boast in God and know his will and approve the things that are essential being instructed out of the law. And are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, a corrector of the foolish, a teacher of the immature, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and of the truth. Here he goes. You therefore, who teach another, do you not teach yourself? You who preach... That one shall not steal. Do you steal? You who say that one should not commit adultery. Do you commit adultery? You who arbor idols. Do you rob temples? And you who boast in the law. Through your breaking the law. Do you dishonor God? 
And then he comes to verse 24. He says, For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. <laughs> I tell you what. Reading this, studying this, the Lord was like, mm. Let me go ahead and convict you just a little bit. While you're preparing to preach this. There are things in my life that I'm great at. And there are also things in my life that I'm not great at. <laughs> I suck at them. That's a spiritual term. Just kidding. But for my behavior to result in someone else saying no to God, the weight of that is beginning to hit me. That we, for whatever reason, think that it's not our responsibility or my responsibility to be 100% a good representation of who Christ is. At that moment when I kind of fall to the wayside, that could be somebody's life. Now that doesn't make me responsible for their life. No, 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 no. That's not it. But verse 24, if what I'm doing causes someone else to say Jesus is not who he says he is, and that same person who I talked to or hung out with at any given time walks out into the street and is done, killed, hit by a truck, it's over, that's real, we don't know the time or day when we will go home. For those of us who know Jesus, that person missed out because I was making it about me. Does that make sense to you? Now, Paul is speaking to the Jews now, who I told you, they're very high on themselves because of their position. He speaks to four things. He speaks to their pride, and their privilege. He also speaks to their proctor, which is another word for teaching. And he also speaks to their practice. And he just confronts it. He says, let me move all of the bushes out of the way and everything that is in between you and the truth and what you think maybe needs to be the truth and what we pack the truth with and what I need to be doing and how I need to be doing it. And before you know it, I'm exhausted because I've been trying to do it on my own, Paul says, all right, let me just, let's just move it all out of the way. And let's get to the reality of what's going on here. You with me this morning? Okay. Now again, he gets at those four areas. The pride, the privilege, the proctor, and the practice. And he gets at it by speaking to them in terms, well, calling them by name. But if you bear the name Jew, and that word rely right there, upon the law, and boast in God. There was a, uh, a sense of pride that they took in being entrusted with the law, the law being among them, among them, their people. The law being in their book. And the law being read in their synagogues. If you bear the name Christian, if you bear the name believer, follower of Christ, I don't even like using the word Christian because it's only in the Bible twice. If you call yourself a follower of Christ, you rely on this word all of what's in here. 
and you boast in God. Is, it, is that sinking in this morning? I, I haven't finished the statement, but hey, if all of those are true in your life, the boasting that is being talked about here is not the boasting that is spoken of in other scripture that says, if you're going to boast in anything, boast in God. Okay, this is a puffing out of their chest. Saying, because of the fact that I'm a Jew, I can just kind of get away with whatever I want to get away with. If you can, just look up the page. As in, a few verses above. Chapter 2, verse 4. Says this, Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing the kindness of God leads to repentance? Just because he didn't blow your butt out of the water today doesn't mean that you have a free pass to continue to sin. That's real stuff. Let me move all of the stuff out of the way and let's just get to the truth. If we call ourselves believers, then it should look a certain way. Are you with me this morning? This is convicting me in areas of my life that I didn't know were that serious. And the reason why it's convicting me so deep is because it has to do with people's lives. Where are they going to end up when they die? That's massive. And if I have some kind of influence in that, but I put myself in front or my comfortability in front of God, then I've missed an opportunity. That's the, the weight that's sinking in to me right now with this, with this scripture. He continues by saying this. Verse 18. And know his will and approve the things that are essential. Being instructed out of the law. That's a privilege to know the will of God. See, these Jews, they knew that. Because they had the law to read. They had it to study. They had it to break down. They knew that. They were a knowing people. There's a privilege to that. Now what they were doing was using that to their advantage and in a sense bringing in a mentality of spiritual superiority in their region. See the reason why I'm saying that is because Paul's addressing something that's an issue. This is the mentality of the Jew. So he has to get at this. There's a reason why this is in Scripture. Approve the things that are essential, being instructed out of the law. Okay. Then here we go with the proctor and the practice. And are confident, confident, that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, a corrector of the foolish, a teacher of the immature, in having knowledge and having truth. There are scriptures in, uh, I want to say Psalms, Let's say the beginning of knowledge is, and there's a couple things after that. The one that's most notable is the beginning of knowledge. Uh, uh, excuse me, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of 
I said that wrong. There's places in Scripture where it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of, and then there's something fill in the blank, all right? The most notable one is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Well, there's also Scripture that says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of confidence. There it is. Love it. The beginning, excuse me, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of confidence. What confidence is being spoken of right here? And are confident that you yourself are all of these things. If it doesn't start with the fear of the Lord and it starts with self, then here's what's going to happen. You're going to boast in speech and not in lifestyle. You catch that? You're going to boast in who God is, puff your chest out in speech, but your life will not reflect who he is because in that area of your life, you just don't fear God. And that is scary. That is what, bless you, that is what he is saying to me in areas of my life. If I'm, if I'm completely honest with you, there's areas that I fear God in and I'm like, shaking. And there's other areas that he's saying, you don't fear me as much as you need to in this area. <laughs> and his loving kindness and goodness leads me to repentance, saying, oh Lord, please don't blow my butt out of here. Are you with me this morning? See, I want this, ladies and gentlemen, to not be me coming with the hammer and beating you over the head with the Bible this morning. As much as I want it to be an encouragement in saying, okay, Will I let this convict me today? Will I let it move me from saying one thing and doing something totally different to meaning exactly what I say and doing it? Because I call myself a follower of Christ. Amen? Let's continue in this this morning. My nose runs off my face. I feel like every single time you guys come in here and see me preach, I'm just like all over the place with the tissues. Pastor Square is a man of tissues instead of a man of... I'm just kidding. Okay. I got to get off that one. See, that's what happens when you try to be funny and it just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, verse 19 in our confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, a corrector of the foolish, a teacher of the immature, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and of truth. And then he gets at their practice with this. He's saying, okay, you who teach, you who scrutinize, you who judge, are you judging yourself? You who preach and say, here's how you need to live. Here's how you need to talk, walk, act. Are you doing it yourself? I'd be the first to throw, up my, throw my hand up in the air and say, I fail in that on a daily basis. Now, there are things that I'm very good at. Uh, I ended up telling this story last week about these two furry babies that I have that are 100 pounds each. Alaskan Malamutes, they think they're lap dogs. They get like right there. It's like, buddy, I don't need this. When they do something wrong, when they chew something up, or for whatever reason they like to eat socks, go figure. Every two months I got to go to Walmart and get a pack, you know. <laughs> they do everything they can to make sure that you don't see what they just did. They're like, no, love me, just peel my back, we can kiss each other and all that stuff, it'd be great. 
It's like, nah, you just did something, but you're trying to get me to take my eyes away from that. See, the Lord will deal with your mess as much as he will deal with everything that you've done good. You want the Lord to look at all the things that you've done well. For me, Lord, look at all these things that I've done well. But he's saying there's those straps that are holding you down from going higher that are those things that I need to address. And I need you to be willing to let me address them. You catch me this morning? Amen. The reason I say that is because sometimes you got to talk to people and you got to tell them all the ten things they did right before you bring that one thing that needs correction. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. As much as, just like I said, will you, will you, will you let yourself be corrected in the one thing... <laughs> That might kill you. I'm not talking like be spiritually dead. I'm like your life will end if you don't get this figured out. It's not about right and wrong anymore, ladies and gentlemen. It's about life and death. You put it in that category, there's some things you just won't even do anymore. Some things you won't even say anymore. Things you won't even think anymore. He's saying if you're confidence, if you're confident that you can do all of these things, then are you willing to let yourself be examined? You scrutinize. Scrutiny is inspection. What does scrutiny mean? Scrutiny means critical observation or an examination. And scrutinize to critically observe or examine. So as the Jew critically observes and examines anybody and everybody, the Gentile pretty much, Paul is saying, look, if that is the case, then are you willing to let that same judgment and scrutiny come to you and let yourself be examined? Does that make sense this morning? The point that I want to make this morning... More than anything else is that you guys would walk out of here uh, with the mentality that I cannot boast in who God is simply with my mouth. I cannot boast in who God is simply with preaching the good news. I can't boast in who God is telling somebody, here's what you need to do to get out of a hole. Boast in him because your lifestyle reflects that. Boast in him because you get up in the morning and there's things that you, you do that are according to his character and his scripture. Why? Because he's in you. He's sitting behind your sternum. He's not just sitting up here. I'm trying to communicate to you guys this morning that huh, this is hitting me like super, super hard. Uh, again, because it has to do with people's, people's lives. If you put it in that category, that you're responsible as a Christian to, like it says in Matthew uh, 28, 19, and 20, to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, that's a command. We'll make more Jesus-like people. When my comfortability becomes more of an issue then the will of God in my life 
people miss out on an opportunity to be with the Father if that's the situation that he's put me in to influence that person. Does that make sense? The other interesting thing about this scripture is that in the beginning parts of chapter 1, well, I think it's also at the, uh, the middle part of chapter 2, um, verse 16, Paul talks about my gospel. Not that it's the gospel of Paul. It's obviously the gospel of Jesus Christ, but the one that is in Paul. You guys heard a message from Beck about the fact that Paul was writing to the church of Rome to basically compare gospels and say, if your faith is being proclaimed throughout the world, then I want to make sure, having not been there and not having not established that church, a church that's been established for 20 years, that our Gospels are the same. See, I would want to know that any one of you guys sitting over here, if you were to walk out of here, well, let me just say this. If I was to interview everybody in here after a message, would you all say the same thing? Or would you say 25, 30, 40 different things? Paul's saying, I want us all to be on the same page. And if we're not on the same page, let's figure out where we're off. Let's address it. Let's be grown men and women. Okay. Get a little crazy there. We can be grown. And get on the same page with this stuff. Paul says something in verse, or excuse me, chapter 1. Um, and it is verse, uh, okay, verse um, 8, excuse me, sorry. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. Now, because of the context of what is being said here, what was talked about in the first part of verse 2 or chapter 2, the end of chapter 1, there's a there's a mentality that's being addressed. So my question that I'll probably find an answer for you next week, and this is purely speculation on my part. The only reason I'm going out on a limb on this one is because there's a difference between what's being said in that statement in chapter 1. Here's a church whose faith is being proclaimed throughout the world, but then in chapter 2, verse 24, it's saying that the name of God is being blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. So what, what, how do we reconcile those two verses? I'm going to use this analogy, and I said this in first service, not because analogies are, are good or, or anything like that. Analogies will never save anybody. But I used to play... Um, Basketball. Basketball was my first passion. Football paid for school, but basketball. Anybody ever heard of the AAU basketball? I mean, it's basically a, a club. Uh, what you do is you sign up for these teams and you basically travel all over the nation and you just play. There's 
thousands and thousands of kids who jump into this stuff so that colleges can see these kids and possibly give them a scholarship. It's, it's one of the best ways to get noticed if you go to the right tournament, whatever. Everybody know who LeBron James is? Yeah. Well, I had an opportunity, thank God, not to play against him because that would have just been horrible. But to see him play while I was you know, at a tournament that he was at. This was either in Kentucky or Indiana. I can't remember the two. Uh, remember which one. But everybody in that gym knew who he was because everyone in that gym was into basketball and had a basketball mentality. They knew the game. They knew the ins and outs. They were connected to that, accustomed to it, right? If anybody who couldn't care less about basketball, you ask them about like AAU traveling teams or maybe LeBron James five years ago, they'd have been like, who, what are you, I don't even, is that a car? What is it? <laughs> no? AAU is stand for something? Sure. What I'm trying to get at here, and same thing with construction, like somebody talks to me, I mean my mom knits, she talks to me about knitting sometimes, I'm like, I have no clue what you're saying. This is a different language because I just don't do that. You know, construction. Some people just don't do that. But because I do, because I do, I have that language. So what I am wondering is that is the faith that's being proclaimed throughout the world coming from the mouths of Jews who are acting the same way that these Jews are acting? Does that make sense? Because they are accustomed to that lifestyle, because they're in it, because they're saying, here's how it's supposed to be done, they're bragging about that to the other most parts of the world. See, that's pure speculation on my part. And I'm saying to you right now, I have zero scriptural background or reference for that. But it is a thought based on the fact that in verse 8 of chapter 1 and verse 2, 24 of chapter 2, those are two diametrically opposed statements. But what I do believe is that the Lord will never take two scriptures and butt them up against each other. He never will. But if something is being proclaimed throughout the world, it better be the truth. Does that make sense? And who's going to proclaim it? Are you going to do it with your speech? Am I going to do it with my speech? I could. How about doing it with our lifestyle? Oop. How about doing it with the way that we live? I mean, that is about as black and white as it gets. And I am convicted in the fact that the Lord is showing me things in my life that I know and did not know that I need to not be a poor representation of who Christ is. Because people's lives are on the line. Amen? Now very quickly, as we begin to close here, these last few verses, which I'll probably be able to expand on a little bit more next Sunday. I just don't have a lot of time to get into the depth of this. But Paul takes this Jewish nation who is so by the letter of the law. Not what's going on in here. They just say, if I can just do this, this, and this, and this, and I got Jesus' blood flowing through my veins, then I'm okay. 
he takes the law, the very law that they're abiding by, and flips it upside down and says, there might be a few holes in it. He says this, for indeed, and we're talking about circumcision, all right? Now, circumcision for the Jews is a big deal. I wrote this down just so I could say it right. It was a commanded duty to the Jews. It was necessary, a necessary condition of, catch this word, justification. But the rest of the world didn't practice that. This entire book of Rome is about justification by faith. Not by some outward or inward circumcision, okay? Justification by faith. So he's hitting them right between the eyes with something that they thought, by the letter of the law, set them apart. And he says this, For indeed, circumcision is of value if you practice the law. But if you are a transgressor of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. He says you can be that all that you want. But if you take what the Word says and you don't live it, it doesn't matter. Straight up. Let me put it in layman's terms for you. It just doesn't matter. So if the uncircumcised man keeps the requirements of the law, will not his circumcision be regarded as circumcision? Okay, so let me take a non-believer who, like it said in uh, verse 14 of chapter 2, for when Gentiles who do not have the law do instinctively the things of the law. So he's saying if there's a man who's a non-believer but does so many good things, how many times have we heard that narrative? There's so many good people in this world doing so many good things, but they don't know Jesus. Well, I'll say this. There's no amount of good things that can get you into heaven. But what this is talking about is if that, okay, according to your law, in the Jewish nation, if that man does everything according to the law, then he should be justified. See, he's just poking holes in this stuff. You guys with me? Uh, verse 27, and he who is physically uncircumcised, if he keeps the law, will he not judge you who through having the letter of the law and circumcision are a transgressor of the law? Again, circumcision was a commanded duty for the Jewish nation. So it speaks to judgment. In that verse, verse 28, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor in circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. Now catch these, this last verse here. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that which is of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. And his praise is not from men, but from God. You know, I, I go back to what I was saying at the beginning of this message that I don't, I don't want anybody coming in here being, being f fake. Let's just say that. Myself included. That if you're looking for the praise of man, Colossians 3, 23 and 24 say, do what you do for God and not for man. It's like hitting a log with a blunt axe. You're not going to get very far. But if you boast, not in speech, but you boast in lifestyle, the praises that you will receive will be from God. And I'll tell you what, that's what's important to me. There's a lot of things that are said about a lot of people, myself included. 
But if I stand before the Lord, what he says is most important to me. The fact that I'm right in his eyes is what's important to me. If that's the motivation, then it makes this horizontal relationship that we have with each other that much more fruitful. It all takes care of itself. You guys catch me on that? And I'll close with the cross-reference that we have in Matthew 7, verses 1 through 5. It just says this. It says, Do not judge so that you will not... Uh, do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way that you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Huh. We need to let go of judging people. Because everybody in here, I know that we do it at some point, whatever. Whether it be small or large. The Lord is looking at your heart. He's looking at my heart. And he's only concerned about what's going on behind your sternum. He continues and says this, Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own? Or how can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log, the massive redwood tree... So what it feels like sometimes is in your own eye. You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brothers. If you are confident that you can be that guiding light, just take a step back and make sure that you're willing to be convicted and corrected right where you sit. So it's a very sobering message. At the same time, the reason why the Lord does what he does with his kids is because he's so concerned about showing you how much he loves you. The word says that he's going to finish the work that he started in his kids, his children. He's going to finish the work that he started in you. And if you tried to plan your life out, like I said earlier, start to finish, there'd be zero struggle in it. But what does he do? He brings you right through the struggle to let you know and understand that you cannot do this without him. You just can't. I can't. We can't. But we have to be willing to see the truth for what it is. Take off, of our, take off our mask and everything that we put on. <laughs> And say, Lord, examine me. That's a scary prayer. It is. But I guarantee it will set you free. Because you will not have any kind of weight holding you down from you rising up out of whatever circumstance it is that you're in right now. I don't want to get away from God's love this morning. He'll confront you in love, but he's doing it because he knows how detrimental sin is to your life. He conquered it, but there's consequences to it. Sin is gone. We, we get a free pass to heaven if we just accept him into our heart. That's it. That's all we have to do. That's how simple he is. I love that. 
But after that, he's saying, just submit to me. Just yield to what I have for you. And don't try to pack it with anything else. It's very, very, very simple. You guys with me this morning? Amen. Let's get ready for our offering. I'll ask the worship team come back up here. We get prepared to close today. Oh, there are A lot of churches having service today. I hope that they are preaching the unadulterated word of God. Uh, letting you guys know. You guys can come up here. You know, letting you guys know the reality what's in this, this book. And not the personality that's up front. Uh, and if what's in the word... I guess if it doesn't convict you, um, you know, my dad uses this, this term, then, then maybe your switches are burned off. Huh. Like we have to get to a point where we read what we read and it, it, you let it hit you. It can't be, oh, it's not for me, it's for somebody else. Wow. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm not sorry. It's for all of us. I want you to leave out of here encouraged more so than feeling like you know, 100 pounds of sin on a popsicle stick. <laughs> encouraged in the fact that he gives us room to mess up and still be madly in love with us. That's the type of God you serve. It doesn't give us free reign to go do whatever we want to do and sin all the time. That's not it. But he says the door is always open. Repentance is the, not the only thing, but you want to come back to the Lord? Like the prodigal son, he came to his senses. He got up out of the pig trough and he walked home. You can do that this morning if you need that. To get up out of the mess, out of the mud, Say, I am sick and tired of living this way. I just want to go home. You can have that today. Let's pray for this offering and then we'll, uh, we'll close. Father, I thank you for uh, just the opportunity to give, Lord. I pray that it would be from a joyful heart. And God, we could worship you and honor you in it. I just pray for more of you in our lives, Father, and that it would be, it would be real can be a good representation of who you are and that in and of itself would be our witness so we love you we thank you in jesus name amen you guys can pass that leaves the door open not like any part of the word doesn't but Romans is so powerful and so potent that it always leaves the door open for someone to accept Christ into their life for the first time what sin did is it separated us 
from Christ, separated us from God. Now what Jesus did in him coming to this earth, spending the 33 years that he did, the last three being his ministry, going to the cross, dying, that in and of itself was what needed to happen to pay the price so that me, so that you and I could have access to the throne. And it wasn't until he walked up out of the tomb that we can say, and no other religion can say this, that my God conquered death. My God conquered death. That is unbelievable. That in and of itself brings me to my knees. That it's that God who's that powerful who chooses not to take me away from here right now, but chooses to love me and pour into me and say, you know what? My loving kindness and goodness should lead you to repentance. But because of that, because of that act, everything that we know up here should move to here. It goes from head knowledge to heart knowledge. Heart knowledge to foot knowledge. That's a weird thing to say. But you actually walk it out. But the only thing that you need to do in order for that to happen is what it says in Romans chapter 10. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and is taken care of. It's that simple. Amen. So let's just pray right now. Father, let's stand to our feet as we close. Father, if there's anybody in here who's been convicted by this scripture, not the message, but the scripture, Father, and has come to a place in their life where they are ready to give their life to you for the first time, saying, Father, I want you to be my Lord and personal Savior. If somebody's ready to do that today and has never done it before, just put your hand in the air. We'll pray for you and welcome you into the kingdom. If that's you, just raise your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Father. Lord, we thank you so much for how your word brings us to a place where we realize how how we will always fall short and how you will always be sufficient. Father, as we close, I pray that what has been spoken would convict us to a place where we say, I don't want to be the same person anymore. I don't want to be in the same place anymore. But what comes from my mouth, I want that to translate to my feet because God, I know who you are. I know that you know plan for my life and I want to submit myself to that if that's you if, if, if you've been convicted you can stay where you're at and we can use this song to speak to the Lord and just say Lord I, I submit I yield or if you need to come up front get before the Lord, get before uh, the altar, then that's, that's welcome as well. But let's sing this last song and just give this time to the Lord as we get our hearts in a place. If we have to get them right, we got to get them right. But let the Lord do something to you at this moment.
much as we are about experiencing our relationship with Jesus Christ on a daily basis and letting that come out of us. Father, convict us in that. I pray that as we go from this place, we will be protected. Father, go before these people, come after them, be all around them. I pray that they're clothed in the blood of Jesus and that no weapon formed against them will prosper. Father, we love you. We thank you. Everybody said, amen. You guys are free to go. Just so you, just as a reminder, we have that, that building meeting, congregational meeting downstairs if you want to be a part of that. If not, you guys are more than welcome to, to head out. Yeah. 